Hey, welcome to Father in Our Future, the podcast for dads. I'm Anthony Vandegrift, and I'm not the perfect dad, but every day I am trying to be better. And one of the ways that I know I can be better as a dad, that you can be better as a dad, is by trying to be a better husband. So to help with that today, I'm joined by Adam King with Dear Young Married Couple, and we're going to talk about marriage. What right now am I doing that's going to you know, create something that I'm really proud of, that I have no regrets. And almost always that has to do with relationship, really being present with their kids, making memories, making the space and time for memories. Because, I mean, if you go and work to save the whole world, but you lose your kids, that's it's not much of a win. If you're a dad who wants to embrace your God-given mission, make sure you subscribe to Fathering Our Future wherever you listen to podcasts. You can also get more content on Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube. And if you want even more than that, then head over to www.fatheringourfuture.com. Well, Adam, thank you so much for being with me today on the podcast. I'm so happy to have you. Man, it's good to be here. Yeah, we had a good time last time. Um we had a fun interview, and if anyone's listening they didn't get a chance to hear it, go to Dear Young Married Couple, and you can check out that interview that Adam and Carissa, his wife, did with me. Um, but I have the worst half of DYMC today. I have Adam, but That's I know true. he's going <laughs> to be a tremendous help because I thoroughly believe that as we strengthen our marriage, what we're actually doing is also strengthening our home and our family. I, I believe that that truly is a side effect uh, yeah. of focusing on our marriage. But you're the expert, not me. I'm going to let you handle all of those topics today. But before we jump into all of the fun stuff, let's talk about the good stuff about your life in particular. So tell us a little bit about yourself. How long have you and Chris have been married? How many kids do you have? What do you enjoy doing? All that, all that fun stuff. Okay, cool. Yes. So um, my wife, I've been married for 15 years. And uh, I have two kids. Um, Adeline is five and Forrest is four. They're very much five and four. And um, I totally love being a dad. A little bit about me. We live in Sacramento, California. And uh, we just, I I think I love pretty much all things outdoors. So whether it's fishing, hunting, uh, bike riding, um, I love golf. That's that's my drug of choice. <laughs> um, and uh, like fly fishing, yeah, all that stuff. I just I just cool. enjoy doing something. That's that's neat. And I know I'm in God's country. I'm in Texas. I know you live in California. Grace will be given to you for this episode. Yeah. <laughs> but um, I have heard from people because a lot of people have made the exodus from California to Texas. They You're have. welcome whenever you want to. Uh, <laughs> But everyone always tells me that outdoors life in California is unmatched. Yes. I would have to agree because, man, so actually over Father's Day, we ha- we've we had this backpacking trip planned for a long time. And uh, so we went out for just two days, one night, and it was amazing. So we live in Sacramento, which is probably about two hours away from the mountains or hour and 45 from like real mountains. And, uh, it it was great. We took the kids, put little backpacks on them and we went up, uh, did it like a mile, a little bit over a mile hike. And, uh, actually mid June there was, we couldn't, couldn't, uh, get over a pass to a small lake we're trying to get into. Um, cause there was so much snow. So (laughs) it was, it was incredible. So yeah, it got down to about forty-eight degrees. Wow! And uh, and but during the day it was seventy, seventy-three. It just snow all around us, and it was it was amazing. It was beautiful. The kids loved it. Yeah. So rub that's, it in. that's California. Yeah. yeah, rub it in. I think our heat index was one sixteen yesterday here in the Woo. good old state of Texas. So uh, yeah, you can keep your temperatures to yourself, and I'm just going <laughs> to pretend like you didn't talk about that. But uh, we are talking about marriages today. And this is yeah. something that you and your wife do professionally. You you focus on this. You have a a great podcast, a successful podcast, Dear Young Married Couple. And tell us how that how that started. Man, that's that's a 
kind of an interesting story. I, if you would have told me 10 years ago, like you're going to be talking to married couples, I'd have been like, you are full of, you have no <laughs> idea what you're talking about. Um, because I didn't see myself going that direction. Actually, um, I thought I was going to, you know, find a career in music. Okay. Um, I play piano. I taught piano for years. Um, went to school a little bit for piano and then I discovered that's not for me. Um, then I had a crisis of faith while I was at college thinking I was getting my music degree and, um, figured out that, uh, I really didn't know what I believed. Not, not in the sense that I didn't know the Bible. I had hundreds of Bible verses stored in my heart. But when the teacher says that the Bible is filled with errors and it's all man-made and not inspired and everything else that threw me for a loop. So it really ripped the rug from under my feet. And, uh, so I decided that at that point I wanted to go into philosophy. So, um, I got my degrees in philosophy and then I, um, from the university of the Pacific. And then I went to uh, Biola university and got my degree in, uh, apologetics, not the path you would think I'd be working with couples. <laughs> so I got, had all that, um, at this point, I was teaching, I had a fairly large studio teaching piano, and I just, I loved witnessing, but I also loved coaching people in life, just because I've always been a student of self-development and always wanted to grow. It's always been a theme in my life, always reading, you know, that kind of thing. Mm -hmm. And so, of course, when you read a good book, you always want to pass it on, you know, you tell them all about it. Well, I found myself talking and preaching <laughs> to a lot of my students just like, you know, spotting areas in their life, you know, they'd share things. I'm like, well, have you read this or have you tried this? And I started just life coaching and loved doing it. And um, at this point, Krista had been counseling for many years and people, someone actually came to her and said, hey, would you do a marriage seminar? And she's like, um, let me talk to my husband. And she said, would you do a marriage seminar with me? Because they want me to do it. She's like, I'll give you the material. You can read over it and you could just, you know, kind of tag along. And I said, um, no. She's like, babe, reconsider. <laughs> <laughs> and, and so uh, I ended up doing that with her and really enjoyed it and thought, you know, maybe this would be an avenue to start working with people, life coaching, helping them work through their issues. And, and that's really where. Um, kind of the idea was like started percolating in me because I like coffee. So might as well use coffee terms. There you go. And so, um, and then it was actually on a backpacking trip. We started kicking around the idea of Dear Young Married Couple. We, she's like, I want to write a book and just kind of coaching marriages because I'm running into a lot of people with marriage problems. And I think maybe we can offer something, but what we came down to is like, well, who's going to believe a couple that's only been married for, I think at that time, eight years um, or somewhere around there, you know, why would they listen to us? Cause we're, you know, kind of started, she had a lot of experience. We had a pretty good marriage. And, and so we said, well, why don't we just curate from people that have been married a long time and we can kind of use their advice and, and share that with younger couples that was kind of our heartbeat. So that's where like, like a letter from an older couple to a younger couple, dear young married couple was birthed. And um, it just really, after that backpacking trip, the book was actually never written um, just because it kind of take, took on a life of its own because um, we, we knew that we needed to market it. We need to have, you know, lots of people, kind of join a community, join a um, kind of a common goal of, of strengthening marriages. Because as we all know, strong marriages make for strong churches and strong churches really do help a community. Right. Um, so that's the story of really how it became what it is today. Wow. That's really interesting. Uh, so now have you, since y'all started the seminar and the podcast, have have you gone and done any further education within the niche of marriage? Oh yeah. Okay. Yes. I have several like certifications and got it. I probably Chrissy says this, so it's not just me. I've probably read more books than her on marriage. <laughs> uh 
Um, I know I have. (laughs) (laughs) But of course, like it's not just marriage because marriage, it's interesting. It's two people. So we're talking about the the communication, the, the union between two people, but two people bring their own stuff. And that stuff sometimes causes issues. So you can't just read about marriage, but you also have to read on the mental health, trauma, um, you know, all those things, the baggage that we bring in. Because sometimes, well, always, the individual things affect how we communicate, how we react, and, and really how we function inside of a marriage. Because the more healthy we become, it really does influence the union that we create. I've learned advice is easily received, but very rarely applied. Normally you have to help them see their issue and that can't be in a direct way. Normally it has to be an experiential way. That's why counseling works because they start to see, ah, and normally it's in the moment where they catch themselves, you know, there it is. Okay. So let's do this. Love the story, love how it started, love kind of the idea of the letter hair of the letterhead from couples who have gone before us, dear young married couple. Love how the story came together and love what you're doing. Mm-hmm. Um, but you talked about leading into that, how your wife mentioned all of these issues that married couples are having that she's trying to deal with and that she's wanting to help address. And I know every couple they have their struggles. And I say struggles mm-hmm. plural because there's never just one isolated thing that we deal with and then we're done. Yeah. There's multiple things because as you've already alluded to, we are individuals and we are coming together to form this union, but we have our baggage, we have our mm-hmm. issues, we have our trauma. So with, with your experience in working with people, can you identify what some of the prominent struggles are in marriages, just the most common issues that marriages face. Gary Thomas said that the best wedding gift that God ever gave me was a full-length mirror called my spouse. And I fully believe that within the context of marriage, we get to see ourselves more truly. And sometimes we don't like what we see. And so, and we reject that, right? So we have to learn as we come into this union, we have to learn to negotiate. We have to learn to communicate. We have to learn to open up because, you know, you can't have intimacy um, without that vulnerability. The, actually, the, the word for vulnerability in the Latin is like Voltaire or something like that. I forgot the exact Latin, but it really means to wound. So with vulnerability, you're giving the person the ability or the tools by, by, uh, through which they can uh, wound you. Mm. And a lot of people who have been wounded a lot in their life are very, very hesitant to wounding. Like they don't want to be wounded. They have their guards up. They have their defenses up. So when people come into marriage and they're expected, oh, we need to be vulnerable, you need to open up, you need to tell what's wrong and what you need, that's scary for a lot of people and they resist it. And there's a difference between being transparent and being uh, vulnerable. So like I can go to the zoo and look at a lion through a glass and it's, it's transparent, I could see the lion, I could show off the lion, but the thing is, is I'm not very scared. I'm not worried because it, that 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 problem is is by still behind a glass. I haven't really made myself vulnerable, have I? It's can we can see it, but it's not really there, or it's not it's not threatening me in any way. But what marriage has a way of doing is making us vulnerable. And if we're not vulnerable, we have other issues too. There's a lot of frustration on the other side of this. But as soon as we take away that glass, the lion can come out of its cage, and now we're vulnerable to be wounded. So people with a lot of trauma or people that have been hurt, and and here's the thing, everyone has been hurt in their life. No one goes through life unhurt. We all have experiences that we've learned to navigate 
and we've learned, ah, don't go there. Don't share that because I could be heard. And, and so within marriage, I see a lot of people not really um, making space to express their needs or make space just to feel. So when we have hurts, generally we want to get away from shame. We want to get away from pain. So we don't look at those things anymore. But the thing is, is when we don't look at them, they resurface. They, they, they haunt, they, they follow us because we haven't processed. We haven't, um, forgiven. We haven't, uh, laid those things to rest. And there are ways to do that. Um, there's a really amazing book if people are interesting what I'm talking about um, called Bot- The Body Keeps the Score by Bessel van der Kolk. Yep. Incredible story. But literally, the body does keep the score on all these things and all these experiences. Um, I actually just worked with a guy um, just actually yesterday that um, was struggling with anger. He's a really gentle man, good man, but at times he's He's gotten really angry. And of course, whenever you get really angry, your spouse gets worried because like, whoa, what does this mean? Like, I I didn't see this part of you. And so as we started just digging and being curious, um, by the way, curiosity is the most amazing gift that God has given us for marriage. You know, curiosity will help you learn so much about yourself, but also about your spouse. Hmm. But just being curious, he started opening up that his dad was very abusive. Um, and he, of course, al- almost everyone downplays the abuse. They never say, yeah, it was horrible. It, I had a horrible child. It was like, oh, yeah. It was, there was, I don't know if you call it abuse. It was, it was just. Like whenever you hear the words just, you know, they're minimizing. But the thing is, is, is everything affects us. Right. Because it's, it's what's happening, but it's really not what's happened to us that that causes trauma or causes what I'm talking about. But it's um, how we respond to it. So it could be a little thing, but if we respond to it in a very negative way and it makes a mark on us, um, it could cause a scar. Yeah. And scar scars always have scar tissue, and scars don't have nerve endings. So you started talking about how when you get married and you look at your spouse, that your spouse is this full-length mirror for you to be able to see yourself. And that's not something that we always like to see. Mm-hmm. And you alluded to issues with potentially low self-esteem, insecurities, um, and then tying this back into our childhood and trauma that we faced and how we perceive how we were raised by our parents and all of these different things that we've responded to in one way or the other that have shaped who we are today. Mm-hmm. Let me ask you this, because I know that all of those things would have been true from the dawn of time, but do you think and do you see with couples that you work with today that social media has amplified any of these issues? Just because, I mean, I know you can get on social media and you can see the picture-perfect couple, or you can see the picture-perfect family, or the man who is doing everything. He's got, you know, he's in shape, and he's got the nice car and the nice house, and he's making all the money and all this wonderful stuff. And you see the same thing with the women. Do you think that all these perceptions that are being thrown into our, you know, our news feeds, which they're all doctored up, and they're all photoshopped, and they all have filters on them anyway, but we don't think about those things in the moment. Do you think that that creates a greater monster that we have to wrestle with today if we're not taught how to respond to these things. Yes. I think what social media has provided us with is an incredible distraction. You know, it used to be that we'd go out, you know, I'm just going to paint it with a really general brush, but we would go and work in a field or we'd go and and it'd be quiet. We'd be alone with our thoughts but social media has has made it possible for us to completely distract ourselves so that we don't have to face. So we can live on going from thing to thing to thing to thing and never slow down. And really, like, I guess the core of what I'm talking about is sometimes I don't, I, I think men just keep going. We just put our head down and keep going. 
but we don't slow down and take inventory and feel and become acquainted with emotions because I think that our kids really do need us to be present. And the major, the major element I think that is missing right now that one of the huge issues I'm working with a lot of men is simply just the busyness of life. We take on so much and we think we're doing our kids a favor by doing all these things for them when they really want is their dad's presence. Yeah. They want him to be there when he's there. And, and when we're running from stuff, and when I say running from stuff, like when I'm talking about all, you know, when I talked about all the trauma or stuff like that, it's those things teach us something about us. And it's normally in the form of the I am statement. And it's like, I'm not good enough. Or I, I in order like to prove myself, I have to do these things. Or I have to make this amount of money. And they're chasing this moving goalpost. Instead, like somebody just recently asked me, Andrew Bentley, he said, what is success, Adam? He says, I wish I would have defined what success was. So I think simply men defining what they want out of life rather than just doing and hoping, hoping it will work out, that they really ask, you know, what right now am I doing that's going to, you know, create something that I'm really proud of, that I have no regrets. And almost always that has to do with relationship, really being present with their kids, making memories, making the space and time for memories. Because, I mean, if you go and work to save the whole world, but you lose your kids, that's it's not much of a win. My pastor has said several times in the, oh, 30, almost 40 years of ministry that he's been a part of, that he has been at the bedside of a lot of people before they have passed. And the conversations that he's had he said, you know, I've never had anyone say, I wish I'd made more money than I did. I wish I had bought more houses or more cars. I wish that I had, you know, achieved more material things. All of the yeah. last wishes are, I wish I'd spent more time with my wife. I wish I'd spent more time yeah. with my kids. I wish I'd focused more on my relationship with God. And it's always, it's always pointing back to these relationships that they so didn't true. pursue. Yeah. Um, so I think that's, I think that's good for us to define success because success should not necessarily look the same for every individual. Um, mm -hmm. We're not all trying to live one style of life. Some people, their version of success might include a whole lot of money and other people it might this mm. is enough just to keep living the way that we like to live because we don't need or want all the extra bougie things in life we just want to live on a lot of land and be in a little cabin <laughs> and not have to talk yep. to people and so you know <laughs> may maybe they need just a million dollars and they're set for the next 30 years who knows um so success does look different now I want to talk about the curiosity element that you brought up. I think I think mm. that this is unique. Hey, you talked about this is the greatest gift that we have uh, for our marriage. I, I think that this could play into a lot of ways, but I'll, I'll throw this to you. Does curiosity become a thing uh, that we that we overcome? Maybe insecurities in our own low self esteem, and we start to kind of poke a little bit at ourselves and ask, why are we this way? Why do we do this? Why, why am I, you know, afraid to open up emotionally? Uh, and is it also something that plays into you and your spouse and going back to that vulnerability to where, you know what, I'm going to let the lion out of the cage a little bit and I'm going to put myself in a place where I could potentially be wounded. Um, elaborate on that element of, of curiosity. I think curiosity is is so incredible because um, it gives us an insight into ourselves without uh, shame, without really negative feelings. Most people that I talk to that haven't done a lot of introspection are actually extremely harsh on themselves. 
I mean, if I were to hook them up to a Bose speaker, a lot of what I would hear is is a lot of negativity toward themselves. And a lot of people use this strategy to to motivate themselves. Like if you know, if I'm harsh on myself, I'm going to be you know, I'll be better next time. Or they get into an argument with their wife and they're super negative about their wife, but they're also negative about themselves. And and the kids sometimes get the brunt of that. Mm. So why are we talking about this? So curiosity gives us kind of a stepping stool to start asking, why am I acting this way? What am I feeling right now? Um, why do I have this defensiveness around this subject? And you'll probably come up with stories in your life that you've been burned around this or it, this has been difficult. And instead of, I'll oh, get over that and, and sending shame and sending anger and th- th- in that direction of like, you should be better than this. Shoulds, it sounds like a lot of shoulds, right? Shoulds always lead to shame. Hmm. So when I hear shoulds in the people's language, I know that there is shame present. Because if you should have done this, shame on you for not. Sure. So instead of shooting and 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 sending all this negativity, what I like to do is is I ask, you know, I have these parts of me that I don't like. And there's parts of me that I do like. I I, I really am thankful for my spirit led self. You know, I try to live out of this part of me that I, I would see as me, but I have these parts of me that I don't like. Like Paul said, the good that I do, I don't. And yep. And I'll let you guys quote that because it's a confusing mess. But <laughs> what he's pointing at is there's parts of Paul that he is not liking, that he doesn't like, that he's trying to continually keep under sub- subjugation, like trying to uh, manage. And I think that's just like us. And so if we can curiously go to those parts of us that are hurt or wounded or defensive or pained in some way, we're able to more effectively manage it because we're we're loving it. Like for instance, let me use an example. Um, for a long time, and a long time, I have a, had a very difficult time praying, having a really consistent prayer life. Um, it just wasn't something that came naturally for me to like wake up at, at a certain time and pray and go about my day. I did pray a lot. I I prayed throughout the day. I prayed, you know all the time, but I didn't have this like consistent thing. And that was always a source of shame for me until I started. um, Really, I started seeing Jesus as more of a relationship, kind of like my wife. Whereas I, I don't have to feel shame for not going there. It's just like a, you know, maybe God showed up to my prayer meeting and, and is just missing me. He's like, man, I showed up and you're, you're not here. And so instead of like, heaping this shame on me, I started seeing God as like, hey, like more beckoning. And that took curiosity to say like, how would Jesus see me in this moment? Would he be angry that I'm not showing up? Would he be angry? Like, I haven't seen you for three weeks, really. Like, he's not throwing all this anger. He's more lovingly saying, hey, come on, let's talk. Let's talk about this. Rather than you beating yourself up and still not showing up and avoiding the pain of, of a prayer, Let's let's be curious about that. Let's look at this. And this takes some discipline to really open up and to look at and, and to be honest. But you could do this in every part of your life with your marriage. Why am I acting in this way? Yeah. And with my kids, why did I just blow up? What what caused that? Why why seeing my son do that? Why did that cause that reaction to me? And instead of you know, I shouldn't have done that. Well. Maybe you could just ask, what was present in me? Why that caused such a rise? Do I have a story behind this that I need to kind of seek to understand and to maybe bring Jesus to that moment in my life so that I can start bringing Jesus to this moment in in the present where my son needs me to show up? Because we're all giving our kids their inner voice. The inner voice that you hear, the shame that you hear, the... The negative self-talk that you hear a lot of times comes from the primary caregivers in our life. Mm. And so you're giving that to your kids. So what kind of inner voice do you want them to live with? Yeah, it's so good. Our kids see, hear everything, and they absorb 
so much. And the reality is, is even if there are things that we do that are not directed and pointed at our kids, if they're around and they're in the vicinity, they still absorb those things. They still internalize those things. It's just like what you said earlier. Sometimes it's just a matter of how you responded to a certain situation. And we don't always know um, how our kids respond to certain things. I think this is why it's so important that we try to have great relationships with them where they feel comfortable opening up like, hey, yes. dad, this happened. You did this. And I'm kind of confused. I'm so glad that my son does this with me. I mean, if there are things that I, that I say and lessons that I teach, and then there's something that is contradictory to that, he will ask me. He will ask me why. He'll seek to understand, and he won't just try and process this like, oh, well, dad said this and then did something else. So I guess that means that dad's a fraud all the time. Um, right. I, I've, I've done enough to where he'll call me out, and I think it's I think it's wise as a dad, this is not to toot my own horn, but just something that we ought to do is when we are called out by our children to actually listen to them and not just immediately, mm -hmm. you know, flip our lid just because we think, well, I'm the dad. They don't have the authority to call me out for something that I messed up on. If you messed up, just own the mistake and make it right and make so it better true. and, you know, value the relationship above that. Um, well, you're teaching them if you want them to be good at asking for apologies and to be sorry, you have to demonstrate that. You have to train that in them. Right. And the best way of training is to demonstrate. Right. I'm very quick because I mess up all the time to my kids. I'm, <laughs> oh, I'm so sorry. Yeah. I, would you forgive me? I, I should not have reacted in that way. Yep. And he'll be like, oh, it's okay, Daddy. He'll give me a hug. Because what, what I'm doing is I'm just giving him the model. This right. is how you do it. Right. And we move on from that. Right. And what's beautiful is... The sooner we can model those things to our kids, the easier and the more common these practices become for them. So that when they're our age and they're mm -hmm. married, they're not contemplating within themselves. I know I messed up, but I don't know how to apologize because I'm not vulnerable enough to do that. I've never seen it done. And, and they're wrestling with what we're talking about that men and I would assume even women wrestle with in marriages. Yes. And that's pride that keeps us away from that. By the way... If you argue in front of your kids, you should be able to, you know, I'm saying with your wife, you should be able to make up in front of your kids as well. Yeah, that's good. And if you overstep a boundary, then you apologize in front of them too. Yep. I, I'm a firm believer in that because, again, you're showing them the model. This is how you treat your wife. Right. And if you overstep, you have to. You're, you say you're sorry, you make amends, and you try to be better. You reassure them. So, and, and that gives the kids so much, um, just so much confidence. Um, I would, when we first got married a long time ago, um, and, and I'm, I'm explaining why this is so important to, yeah. to apologize and to make things right. And, but um, when we first had Adeline, you know, of course, every every parent wants their kids to be brilliant. And so, of course, I wanted my kids to be brilliant. I bought a book on how to make our kids brilliant. And I was reading it. And one thing stood out in the whole book. He says, you know, people ask me all the time because I'm a neurosurgeon or brain science, um, you know, how to get your kids into Harvard, how to create these incredible kids. He's like, you know, if, if I would give you one thing to focus on, he said, Go home and love your wife. Wow. He says, because what you're doing is you're creating a safe environment for them to sprout. If you're creating a turbulent environment that they're not safe, that they have nowhere to go, they're, they're worried, they're not gonna, going to allow their curiosity to flow. They're not going to actually experience play. Kids need to play. Yep. Play is so important because they're learning about the world. Their neurons are firing. They're building, you know, themselves. They learn so much. But think about how play is so so. Um, I mean, think about like how well do you play if you're stressed? Right. We don't play very, or unless we're just getting away from our stress. But we don't play very well, or, or curious, or open-hearted, just having fun with tons of stress. So, if your kids are under stress how the way we could start bringing more confidence is through marriage, but also like just being making amends whenever you do cross a boundary. Right. 
Yeah, that's that's so good. And with the amends, another thing that goes into that is the relational structure that you set for your kids. Because there's so many people today who will tell you that it's not what you know, it's who you know. If you want to be successful, mm. it's having these good relationships. But yeah, creating this model relationship in front of your kids for them to see like, oh, this is how people get along. Oh, this is how people overcome conflict. Oh, this is how people resolve their issues one with another. Right. Allowing them to be exposed to that at a young age, it normalizes these things that so many people tend to struggle with as they grow up. So yes, we're only setting them up by by focusing on ourselves for the benefit and for the sake of our marriage and ultimately for the benefit and the sake of our children, our family as a whole. Let Absolutely. me let me ask you this with the curiosity element though. Um because it, it seems it seems like maybe we've identified a predominant struggle in in marriages uh that people mm -hmm. struggle with themselves and that it's not necessarily conflict with the person that they're married to, it's just now they're seeing themselves for who they are. And this is a struggle that, that we have, especially as men, as you get into the emotional components of who we are, because there is a, an, an emotional component to who we are. And a lot yes. of men just don't want to confront that and face it. We want to be tough and we want to be manly. We want to just navigate and Mm -hmm. Keep moving ahead. Um, yep. So, you know, we, we do have those components that we have to face, the past that we have to deal with. And, and a remedy to this that we've talked about is curiosity. And curiosity mm -hmm. is being courageous enough to actually confront ourselves and look within ourselves and say, why do I tick this way? Why do I do that? Why do I do this? What is really at the heart of this issue that I deal with? Yeah. Now, when we go down this path of curiosity to ultimately improve ourselves and to improve our marriage and our family, is this something that that we should have help with? I know you talked about it within the context of prayer, but is this something that we should try to start doing alone initially, or should this be maybe we try it with our wife, or maybe before we try it with our wife, we try it with a close friend that we have, and we just go out to eat and we say, buddy, let me do something a little weird. <laughs> let me open up in a way I've never done. Um, what, for, 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 for a man who has never gone down that path of curiosity to just open some doors that they really need to open and some mm -hmm. issues that they need to confront, um, how do we start down that path of curiosity? Mm. That's a really good question. Um, well, I, I think first educating yourself so listening to podcasts like this invite introspection and i think that's really important um like like we were both talking about and dancing around men are not very good at just being present and to being a student of themselves i know it may sound weird but understanding why you tick and how you tick and i mean just think about like Right now, I'm working on a mower. I'm so frustrated. I can't get my mower going. I have taken the sucker apart. Um, and obviously, I did something wrong. I don't know how it works. It's still broken. I, have a, I might have to take it to the mechanic. I've watched a ton of videos. And I think sometimes we're like that. Right. Sometimes you could fix it. I've fixed my mower before. <laughs> took the carb apart, cleaned out all those fuel jets and all that stuff. It's not still not working and so frustrated. And, and we're so ready to fix external things. And a lot of men that I've seen are low emotional intelligence. And um, they don't know how they tick. They don't know how relationships work just because as men were not taught, um, I think, the skills of emotional intelligence. And so when we're talking about all of this stuff, it's very scary for you know, what, what are you talking about? You know, looking at myself deeper, being curious. It's simply um, being able to attach. Well, first of all, knowing your emotions. Um, let me just get really simple. Um, I was actually very low EQ, which is emotional intelligence for a long time. Um, and And simply, so you have to have words for your feelings so you most guys know what anger feels like um, most people know what 
or most guys know what sad is. Most guys know what depression maybe feels like. Um, but our emotional vocabulary is very low. And only we a lot of times pay attention to the, the negative ones. And so starting to shine the introspective spotlight more often on how you're feeling and and also slowing it down to being curious about like in the moment. So when we react, instead of like shaming ourselves and just trying to move on or just trying to fix it, we slow down and ask, why did I act that way? Why do I have anger? And if maybe you have stories around this thing in the past, maybe curiously go back to those moments and as sometimes you can bring it to God in prayer, you know, see that, seeing that image and, and saying, God, please help this part of me that I'm still reacting out of this, possibly this, this time. Um, another way of being curious would be um, writing it down. There's an incredible power in writing things down. So actually there was a study done recently in New Zealand um, where it took a whole bunch of participants, had a control group, and they said, what we want you to do is just write down what you're going to do today and in the next few days. Don't write any of your feelings. Just just write about like what's happening currently, kind of journal, but without the feelings aspect. And then they took the other sample, the other group and said, what we want you to do is write down for the next three days, we want you to write about your traumas or you're the hardest, most difficult things in your life, your sadness, you know, your dad wasn't around, you never did fun things, you felt that you were third priority on his list, that he wasn't there for you, you know, the abandonment issue, or, you know, your dad beat you, or um, you were sexually abused by an uncle, or whatever those things are, you write those down for three days. So then all of those people, both groups, had a, um, an, a procedure done that opened up their hand. So they had a big scar on their hand. Three weeks after the procedure, they started recording how fast these both of these groups were healing. They actually found that the group that um, recorded their traumas for three days, and this is like three weeks prior, the group that recorded their traumas healed significantly faster like many times faster than the other group. And that's that's physical healing. And that was only a few days before. But what we're finding out, out is that our mind and our body are intricately connected. You can't separate. So the emotions that I'm feeling, whether I'm negatively talking to myself, whether I'm experiencing depression, whether I'm living in anger, these affect us and we know trauma actually has incredibly connected like we know scientifically that's connected to so many diseases and illnesses so there is a way of reversing all this of course or, or at least helping people live with it but disempowering those traumas from people's lives helping them live a vibrant life mm. um but there is a huge connection. So curiously, being more curious, like what is there? Not assuming ju just because it happened in the past that it doesn't affect me anymore. We know that that's not true. It does affect you. You are a product of all your past experiences because those experiences treat us how to act in the present. They shape how we react, how we act. So by becoming more aware of this, this stuff back in the past and processing it. So um, I actually have a tool I can give you a link to. It's called the, the, the Total Truth Letter. Um, you can start to process some of those feelings, those pains, the anger that's in there and, and live more in peace and harmony because that's what really what God wants to do. He wants you to live in shalom. Yep. live in peace and anything that breaks shalom is, is something that needs to be looked at and so that's how I, I I'd advise people 
to to go about. And of course, reading books around this, like the book I talked about, um, The Body Keeps the Score, yep. um, and other books that just kind of talk about your inner world. Be more curious that you are more complex than you give yourself credit for. And if you just open up and listen to those thoughts and listen to God's voice teaching you, um, I think we can be more student of ourselves. And when we're able to be a student of ourselves, we have the bandwidth and the ability to be students of our wife, to learn her and her, what makes her tick and be curious. Because if I haven't been studious with how I feel, it's easy for me to be triggered into defensiveness and, and all these things because there'll be a, I don't want to look at that. I don't want to go near that. So I hope that answers the question. Yeah, I think so. I have one follow-up with that. So as we start down this path of curiosity where mm -hmm. we are identifying issues, sources of issues that we face, I think one of the things that can be difficult, and this goes back to what we started with on the topic of vulnerability, is once we've identified this weak spot in our armor, mm -hmm. is that something that we should keep to ourselves? And now we have this revelation about why we do this, we understand this, should we just keep it to ourselves and continue on with life? Or is there ever an appropriate time is it always appropriate? Is it never appropriate for us to be vulnerable with our spouse and to tell our wife, look, I've been thinking about this. I know I deal with anger. I know I've been angry a lot, and I'm pretty sure it's because of this. And I want you to know, should we open up with everything that we discover about ourselves to our wife, or are there, are there ever appropriate times to keep things close to ourselves? Hmm. That's a really good question. I think I'm in favor of, of really being open. Um, I'm sure there's an example of some time where you know, we don't want to dump on them. Sure. Um, sometimes, sometimes, okay, this is one situation. If, if there's been broken trust and the, the person is looking at all this stuff, like this is why I did it, you know, and it feels to the wife, like they're justifying their breach in trust, that would not be appropriate. Okay. But but often, often I think going curiously to those pains, going curiously and, and opening up and looking at these things, um, I, I think that having your wife as a sounding board is incredibly beneficial. I think that's why God put us together. Because mm. remember that marriage... Why did God put people together? You know, it wasn't so that we just... Okay, so sorry, let me back up. The world has sold us a myth that what we look for is compatibility in marriage. And what they mean by... Cap what the world means with compatibility is that we find someone that's so perfect for us that fits our life just like a puzzle piece that, that when they put together, it's like nothing needs to change. So we could be together and I, I could just be myself forever. And I think compatibility is the result of marriage. Hmm. So, of course, there's a base things. We have to be attracted to them. We have to sign up for life for this person. You have to really enjoy this person. Right. Do some of the, you know, you, we all get that. But there's an overemphasis in the world. And I think that, that marriage is about, ultimately, about sanctification. And so this person has your best interest in mind. This person is, your wife is a good-willed person. And I think if you went to them and just said, hey, babe, like, could, I, I've been thinking a lot about this stuff. And then asking permission, saying, would now be a good time to share maybe where this depression is coming from or why I've been so absent? I've been thinking about that. Like, why do I have such a hard time being present with you and the kids? And... I think I have stories behind that. And I just kind of wanted to think out loud with you. It's not, I'm not trying to pick at you or blame you for any of this. I just want to think out loud and try to figure this out. Would, would you help me do that? Yeah. I don't know very many wives who would be like, no, <laughs> get away from me. <laughs> yeah, exactly. 
So I think that's a good way. Normally asking permission to share is a one of the most. Got it. And sometimes it's not a great time. You know, the kids are swinging off the light fixtures and, yeah, <laughs> you know, not a good time. But, oh, yeah. and also too, side by side, not looking face to face, sometimes doing this work while you're driving um, is a really helpful or go for a walk. Yeah. A walking actually helps you um, process hard emotions much more efficiently. Mm. Yeah, I think that's I think that's great advice um, because I think it would be wrong of us to assume that if we have all of these insecurities and all these issues that we are wrestling with internally after we start down this path of curiosity, that all of a sudden we're just going to be experts in communicating those feelings and those issues to our spouse. So I think working our way up to that point to being a better communicator about these issues where it's, I don't want to have to try and hold eye contact with someone while I'm telling them my deepest, darkest secrets and <laughs> concerns and trauma that I faced as a child that I've never told anybody else. You know? True. Yeah. So, True. But this is also like, think of this not as like one conversation. Yeah. This is, this is a journey of self self revelation that happens over time. This yeah. is many. And as things happen, and you start opening that door, more things will come and more connections will come and you'll be much more aware of your current uh, state of being as you go through this process. Yeah. And I think that that's something that requires a little, a little twist in our perspective as men, because we're very project oriented. We like to start things, finish things, and then be done with those things. And so I think it's important for us when it comes to you know, understanding who we are and growing as men and also growing in our compatibility with our spouse, that this is a lifelong project that, yes. you know, this isn't something I'm going to do over the weekend. I'm not just going to lock myself away in the garage for the next three days and then I'll be done. That's not what's going to yeah. happen. It's going to take till death do us part for me to figure yeah. this thing out. And then yeah. when I finish the course, then the project will be done. And Absolutely. I think that's really, really wise advice on how to approach that, how to think of that. Um, <clears throat> not to view this as, you know, if I, if I don't have everything that I'm dealing with resolved in the next six months, then I continue to be a failure. It's, I'm just going to keep working at this and that's the right way forward. Yeah. I mean, how long has Jesus taken to sanctify you? Yeah. <laughs> Since day Your one. Your life, right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So like, you're not going to figure it all out overnight this is this whole life experience that we're living is a sanctification project it's yeah. teaching us how to live forever yep that's so good in harmony <laughs> yeah yeah exactly harmony and peace that you talked about well i th i think i think that's wonderful what you've shared today um dealing dealing with those those demons that we might have inside, that trauma that we deal with, that maybe we've never fully confronted or faced, that sometimes we're probably too scared to do, but yeah. we won't even open up about that. I, I, th I think, I think that is a big hurdle and that is a big obstacle because, like you said, there is no one who has been absent from hurt. Like we all have something, and we all have responded to particular things that shape us and influence the way that we function even to this day. So starting down that path of curiosity to identify those things, to confront, to think on, to chew on these things and to seek resolve, not tomorrow and not next year, but when life is done uh, and to not do it alone, but to do it side by side with our spouse. I yes. think, I think that's, wise. I think that's great. Um, let me ask you my little legacy question that I like to ask dads that I have on the podcast. Um, the best piece of advice that you would offer to dads, what would it be? Connect before you correct. Okay. I always, um, I, I have a son that's really, um, that's has, you know, a will. Yep. And I have a will and yeah. I know what's best for him and he doesn't, but he doesn't always want to do what I want. Right. And it's really easy for me to get angry and frustrated and just in the 
for a while, I've just been focusing on connection, always connection, because when you can correct when you're connected, it's always done with love rather than uh, a penalty. I'm not trying to punish my son for disobeying. I have to first, I'm loving my son and I'm correcting behavior. Correction is always aimed at connection, Yeah, but it's not a penal system. So yeah. I, I think that's one of my favorite things that I've really worked on is finding areas, being present and connecting and having fun. And that always gives space for correction when yeah. it's necessary. Yeah. I think that's so good. I think as dads, we're leaders and leaders don't function like dictators. Then they don't function like coaches. Leaders function from a place of relationship because they genuinely yes. care and they genuinely seek to serve. And it's, it's, a, it's a good line for us to remember, connect before we correct. Adam, it has been a privilege having you on the podcast before we sign off here. Let everyone know how they can find more about Dear Young Married Couple and everything that you and your wife are doing. Absolutely. Yeah, you could just look on um, Instagram. We post very, um, like almost every day. Um, you can find us at Dear Young Married Couple um, and um, online at DearYoungMarriedCouple.com. Uh, YouTube, we have videos on YouTube, Dear Young Married Couple. Um, and we talk on, yeah, mental health, uh, trauma, everything pretty much having to do with living a, a good life because <laughs> yep. that's what we're trying to inspire in others and, and do ourselves. Yep. So, and also um, if you guys are interested in uh, that, that um, way of processing called the total truth letter, um, I could share that with you and maybe you can give them a link. Yeah. I'll, and um, I'll include it in the description of this episode for sure. Nice. And I can, and that will be a really fantastic way. It'll put a, put you on our mailing list and, kind of connect you with us so we can stay connected and um, walk this journey together. Awesome. Yeah, that's the best way to do it. It's always best to do things in community with other people because trying to do it all by yourself, man, it's Absolutely. a lot. That's, it's just, <laughs> it it's just too much. It's We're not meant much. to be alone. No, 100%. Well, Adam, thank you so much again for being with me. You have, you have enriched us today. You have blessed us today with what you have shared. And I think you've given us a good step forward in starting down that path of curiosity. So thank you. Well, make sure you check out DearYoungMarriedCouple.com and the podcast that Adam and his wife, Carissa, do. Even if you don't consider yourself to be a young married couple, look, there are things that we all probably should have learned five years ago and 10 years ago that we absolutely missed. And learning those things today is still a great benefit, plus getting good refreshers along the way never hurt. So go check out what they're doing. But I want you to take to heart what was talked about today. I want you to remember this. If you struggle with insecurities, low self-esteem, questions about yourself, your past trauma that you have faced, first of all, you're not alone. We've all been hurt and we all have our issues and we are all working to grow. At least we should be. And if you're not working to grow, I want you to start. And I want you to start wandering down that path of curiosity. I want you to start asking yourself, why is it that I respond the way that I do? What hurt me? If you need help with that, you have a friend. You have a wife. You can probably find a pastor. You can find a counselor. You can find someone to help you navigate this path of curiosity so that you can overcome these issues so that you can control them instead of them controlling you. So you're not alone. You can get through this. Just start being a little bit curious. And again, you can check the show notes, the description of this episode for the link so that you can start that path with the resources that Dear Young Married Couple has to offer. This is Fathering Our Future, the podcast for dads. I'm Anthony Vandegrift. Thank you so much for being with me, and I hope you will join me next time. Thank you again for listening to Fathering Our Future. If this episode has served you or you believe it will serve another dad in the future, make sure that you leave a like, a comment, a review, or share this so that it can reach another dad. And so that you don't miss out on another episode, make sure you subscribe to Fathering Our Future wherever you listen to podcasts. And again, 
For more great content, head over to www.fatheringourfuture.com.